You're listening to The Blind Stealing the Blinds, a podcast by students of the game for students of the game. Join Dell and BJ in conversations about poker theory and bridging the gap between theory and application. We're all in this together. This week's topic, key traits for poker success. Hey, Dell, how's it going this week? It's going good. I don't even know how to describe it. I feel good. I'm at home right now because we went through this last week where this uh, new job I thought I had turned out to be farcical. But I'm enjoying the time at home while I work on going back to where I was before. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time. I'm working around the yard, spending time with Terry. I get to have coffee with her every morning, which is my favorite time of day. And uh, I finally uh, learned how to connect my Twitter account to our Twitter account so I can actually tweet when I don't have my iPad around and, and you'll be less annoyed with me on, on my inability to tweet. Well, fantastic. It only took 44 <laughs> weeks or so, but we're getting there. We're getting there. How is the life coach stuff going? I'm still studying it. I kind of slacked off a little bit. I need to get back, to, especially with all this free time. So the goal here is to have it 100% completed by June. The reason being is this job I'm going back to I know that this particular project ends in June and I can hop on another project, but I think that my real hope here is, is that I can be done with the profession I'm doing right now, mostly because I'm just sick of all the lying that's involved in it. What happens is our BAs need to fill a job. BA is short for business agents. I'm a union carpenter and they need to fill a job and they'll tell us whatever they have to to get us to go to that job. And then we get there and we find out half of it's a lie. And I'm really just, I'm just tired of that. I want a little more integrity in my life. So I'm looking forward to having it done by June and being ready to start a new career. Okay. Well, best of luck to you. I know that you want to start a new career as a poker professional, and we both know that lying never happens <laughs> at poker. So I'm sure you'll fit right in. So how's your week going? I, I know you get your uh, father visiting. Yeah, my father's visiting. So I've not been putting in as much volume this year as I'd like to because he's been visiting more, which is not a bad thing. That's pretty much a good reason to not play poker. We've been playing more golf. We played in our home courses opening day scramble yesterday. It snowed for two holes. It snowed on us at the end of March in Maryland. This weather is drunk. It needs to go home. But regardless, we had a good time. We didn't win, but that's fine. We had no aspirations of winning. We just had a good time. My father and I are actually going to go to the casino this morning. So we're recording early. Thank you for accommodating the schedule. My father and I are going to go to the casino after this. I'm just happy to be playing with him. That's going to be a great time. What we want to talk about now is really key traits for poker success. There are a bunch of them, really. It's not just one thing. And I know we did a podcast several months ago about the one thing in poker. And the fact is, there is no one thing. That is that is the huge problem that we face when we're dealing with people who are new to taking poker seriously. They may have played poker for a while, but now they've decided maybe they crushed their home game or maybe they went to the casino and it was easy for them and, and they've decided they're going to take it serious. And a lot of that can be variance and they don't know that yet. But what ends up happening is those players tend to show up wanting to know what the one thing is that'll make it so they can crush all the other players. And, and there just isn't one key trait it makes a poker player good. It, then that literally right there is the problem is, is this thought that if I just learn this one thing, or if I just build this one character trait, then I can be 
a winning poker player, then I can beat all the people I'm playing. And the reality is, is that there's so much that needs to be built up in poker. We wanted to talk about character traits this week. One of the things I want to say is if you don't have all these traits right now, it doesn't mean you can't succeed at poker. Uh, It means that you have to work on the traits that are your weaknesses. You have to build them. And the other thing I'll say is that we're talking about key traits for poker success here. Success is very different. The levels you need of this is going to be depend on what your definition of success is. If your definition of poker success is crushing your home game, then you still kind of need these, but you may not need them as deeply as somebody like me or BJ needs them or somebody who is a full-time professional or trying to be a full-time professional. So we're going to start off with patience. I'm going to let you speak on that first, and then I'll say what I got to say on it. I mean, to win at this game, it's going to take time, a whole lot of precious time. It's also going to take patience and time to get it right, Dell. <laughs> I did that for you. Uh, you need patience at the table. You're going to be card dead. That just happens. You get dealt a hand in live poker, maybe what, 30 hands an hour? And there are 1,326 unique hands you can get dealt. Most of them are absolute crap. You're not going to want to play them. You're going to be folding the vast majority of the time. And the funny thing is, your opponents aren't going to be paying attention. Regardless of how active you are in that 15 or 20% of hands you play, they're going to think you play far more hands than you really do. So don't worry about their perceptions of you. You can still be patient. You can choose your spots. And it's so valuable to get yourself started on a solid foundation when you're going to play a hand. That's why we espouse having well-constructed ranges that you can carry through the streets of the hand. And it all starts with being patient and not getting frustrated where you want to play seven deuce off or 10 three off suit. You can overcome your desire for instant gratification. You will set yourself up more powerfully to play profitable poker. Yeah. Say that five times fast. (laughs) Yeah. So absolutely. I I think that one of the things that you mentioned there that stands out to me is that you're going to be card dead. There's going to be a lot of times you're going to feel like you're card dead and you're not. You're really just getting a normal distribution of cards. In a normal distribution of cards, you're only getting dealt a pair once every 16 hands. You're going to get ace-king a little more often than you're going to get, say, a pair of aces. But you're going to not get great hands all the time. There's, you're going to get one pair every 16 hands. And by the way, sometimes you're going to get that pair and it's going to be a pair of twos and you're going to be under the gun and you're not going to want to play them from that position. Patience is very key. It's one of the most important key traits we have. It's the very first one we're talking about. And it's everywhere. You're going to find that you're going to want to be patient. If you have the ability to table select where you're going, you're going to want the patience to wait until there's a seat available at the best table. You're going to want to be patient when you're losing and you feel like that losing streak is never going to turn around. And what happens is a lot of players immediately assume they're doing something wrong. Well, you're going to have to be patient and make sure that you are still making correct decisions at the table and just trust the process. So like, it's going to be very difficult to have any success at poker if you're an impatient person. Del brought some really good points about why patience is so important. Well, what can we do about it? I think one of the tools that we have at our disposal to combat patience is being in the hand 
even when you're not in the hand. And we've talked about this before. You fold 80% of the time, but you can still put yourself in some opponent's shoes, trying to figure out what their range is, what their opponent's range is, and now you're still kind of playing a make-believe hand in your head. You're doing this thought experiment where you don't even have cards or money invested, which is amazing practice, and we should all be doing that. If you can do that, you'll combat boredom. You'll distract yourself from being impatient because you'll actually be focusing on something other than the fact that you're folding all the time, which kind of sucks. That's one thing. Another thing you can do to hone your skill of patience is things like meditation, being in the moment, mindfulness. This too shall pass. It's interesting to me that I'm remarkably patient with things that are not human, but not things that are human. I can sit at a traffic light for five minutes. I'm completely patient. It doesn't bother me. There's nothing I can do about it. But if I'm waiting on someone for something at work, if someone needs to deliver me something to get my job done, I'm incredibly impatient with that. I'm just giving an example where I kind of fall short on that. Right. So, yeah, I think that the most important thing here to understand is all the traits that we're talking about can be built up. Patience can be built up. Every time you're waiting in life is an opportunity to practice and build that patient strength. And if you're building it throughout your life, it's going to be easier when you're on the table. If you're building it on the table, it's going to be easier throughout your life. I'd like to offer a couple of exercises. Um, actually, it's one exercise, but it's two words. First word, obviously, is patience. If you're like finding yourself anxious at the table, you're feeling like patient, you can't player next to you can't act fast enough and they're annoying you, they drag their feet. Take a moment, close your eyes, imagine the word patience, giant letters, and just say it in your head two or three times. And the other word is calm, and it's the same thing. Just picture it in your head and say it. This may work for you, it may not. It works for me. And that's why I'm sharing it. It immediately starts wiring my brain for better patience. That's just my little trick. Well, that's a good one. I think that bleeds into our next topic because what you just gave us with an opportunity to change our mindset and grow, and we need to have a commitment to growth. If we're not interested in growing intellectually, growing emotionally, this is going to be a painful journey for us. Poker is the hardest way to make an easy living. Not everyone that plays poker wants to grow as a player, wants to grow as a person, and frankly, if you're not growing, you're stagnating. Now, again, this might fit in your goals. If you just want to play poker to have fun, have fun. Blow off steam. Just let loose. If you want to play poker to get better at it, to solve the puzzles of the other opponent, to make some money, make a decent side income, whatever, you're going to want to grow. And that's going to require study and work. But you have to have that commitment to growth. And I'll admit, I have varying degrees of commitment to growth at any given time. I've kind of been in a lull for the past three months. I don't think my commitment to growth has been as high as it was a year ago, and I need to get that back. And fortunately, I can grow that back. We can develop a commitment to growth. I think this is paramount. Like literally, if you don't have a commitment to growth, you can't do anything about the rest of the key traits on, on our list here. You just can't. This is an interesting one because we literally started this podcast because of our commitment to growth. We believe that having an opportunity to interact with each other once a week was going to make us better people and better poker players. We believe that the preparation for these podcasts was going to make us better poker players and better people. And we truly believe that if you're learning and studying poker and how to behave at the poker table, how to make good decisions at the poker table, 
that it will affect your life positively. And we believe it goes the other way. So this is like the core of our entire podcast is as a commitment to growth. When we get in these situations where we feel stuck or we feel like we're making the same mistakes over and over again, and all of us get there, we can either just take the victim stance. This just keeps happening to me. We hear this throughout poker all the time. My aces always get crapped. That's a victim. None of these guys fold. That's a victim. We can take that stance and we'll get nowhere. Nothing changes. You can't change anything from the role of a victim. But if we take accountability for our lives and our poker play, then we can say, okay, I'm stagnant. Why am I stagnant? Well, because I refuse to bend on this belief or I refuse to change this behavior. And what happens is we start to rewire our brain. I'm really big on this notion of rewiring our brain to be better people. And that's what a growth mindset does is when you start doing it. And I'm going to be honest with you. Nobody is in a growth mindset 100% of the time. We all have our static mindset moments. What happens, though, is the more we try to focus on having a growth mindset, the easier it is to have it. More often we have it, the sooner we can recognize, oh, I'm stuck here because of a static mindset on this particular topic. I can change it. I can move forward. If nothing else, I can accept the things I can't control, and I can start working on the things I can have some influence over. You mentioned that this trait's paramount, this commitment to growth being paramount. I think it's inseparably linked to the previous one, patience. I think patience and growth go hand in hand. It's like weightlifting. I've been weightlifting for decades, and I'm not going to go from benching 150 to benching 300 in the blink of an eye. That's going to take time. It's going to take a commitment to growth. It's hard work. It's not easy. It's repetitive. And I'll get there. I need to be patient as well. If I'm impatient, I might throw more weight on the bar than I can safely do. I might hurt myself. And the next thing you know, I've given myself a setback because of my own impatience. So I think we need both patience and a commitment to growth to move forward with pretty much any of the other traits we want to develop. And the cool thing is developing one helps develop the other. Do you have any thoughts on that, Dale? How do I feel about that? I feel like that if we can combine all these traits, they all feed off of each other. The thing that happens is that people tend not to do that. And that is why we struggle as human beings. If we can understand how our behaviors and our thought processes affect other parts of us at the same time, we can have a better understanding of who we are as individuals. Human beings generally are not very good at being self-aware. I mean, like, if you're looking from a scientific point of view, people who are self-aware can recognize themselves in the mirror. They're self-aware. Great. They're intelligent. But an actual self-awareness of why we do the things we do and then to consciously rewire our brain requires knowing that everything we do is connected to everything we are. And we can change who we are by our actions. We can change our actions by changing who we are. They're not separate in any way, shape, or form. So none of these are separate. I agree with you, you know, that these all go together. I think when I say that a growth mindset is paramount, it's paramount in the sense that it is the one that you have to have first before you can build any of the others. If you're in a static mindset, you're not building anything. You believe you already know. You're stuck. You believe there's no way it's going to change. You believe. So you have to have that growth mindset first. But yes, they're all interconnected. You bring a really good point about the importance of the growth mindset. 
because our next trait we wanted to discuss is guidance. I mean, you can learn on your own. You don't have to. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. But learning anything involves acknowledging that you may not know what you're seeking to learn. I forget what the quote is, but it, the hardest thing to learn is something you think you already know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so if we're up, I'm going to get this wrong. I know I am, but I think it was Seneca. And I think the quote is, you can't learn what you think you already know. There you go. If we're stuck in that static mindset because we already know what we know or we think we know what we know, then we're going to be locked in and we're not going to be able to, to learn what we need to. And so we're not going to be able to get that guidance that we need. We might play that victim card that you were talking about. These bad things happen to me all the time because of A, B, and C. Well, the truth is none of those hands were ever coolers. I should have never been in those hands in the first place. I just am locked in my static mindset and I'm unable or unwilling to realize the fault in my pre-flop game that's causing me to lose all those stacks on the river. So here I am locking myself into the static mindset that these are coolers and I'm the victim here and those guys play like crap. Really, I'm the one that's playing terribly and I need to change what I do because again, if, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. And if you want to get something different, you have to do something different. The thing about poker is it is a very complex game. The analogy I'm going to use is inventing the wheel. We can choose to do this on our own and reinvent the wheel and start there, but it's going to be a long time before we're racing cars. And we already have people who are racing cars, so we can learn from them. For those people who don't, don't like things done in analogies, basically all I'm saying is it's, it's harder to start from scratch when you already have people that they know. So here's the thing, like you mentioned that it's not them that's playing bad, it's me and I got to change something. Well, there's the funny thing about poker. You can do everything right and lose. And if you don't have somebody who understands this that can guide you through that, you might be trying all these crazy things thinking that you're playing bad when you're playing fine. Or you can win when you play like crap and you might think you're a poker god and you really need that guidance from somebody who can say, no, that was a bad play. Sure, you won, but it wasn't a good play. Guidance in poker is important. Actually, guidance in life is important. There's so much knowledge out there that's already been found out, that's already been worked out, that's already been worked through. We get to stand on the shoulders of giants as opposed to trying to get there on our own. And when we talk about guidance, there's different types of guidance. There's training sites, there's personal coaches. There can be just really, there can be friends that are just really better at poker than us. There's all sorts of places we can get guidance for BJ and I, both of us are members of a training site and we have access to, to several coaches. I've had personal coaching before. I will have personal coaching in the future. I have plans for it already. And we also, we have a bunch of friends that are, some of them are very, very good poker players. Some of them are professional poker players. And we get to glean that information from them instead of trying to reinvent the wheel. You stole my thunder. I was going to toss in the shores of giants quote from Isaac Newton. If I've seen further, it's because we have stood on the shoulders of giants. Well done. We're going to fill this episode chock full of quotes. It's going to be great. So another key trait of poker success is putting the work in. Nothing comes easy in poker. Modern poker is really hard. No longer can you just play fit or fold. You can't just play flop it and get paid. Poker nowadays has come far beyond what it was in the even early 2000s. It's now you're not going to get rich quick playing poker. You need to put work into it. 
And the challenging part is knowing what you need to work on. You may very well put in time studying the wrong things, and that might not help you. So you need to know what you need to work on, which again gets to self-awareness, knowing what you need to do, having that growth mindset, being open to it, but actually doing the table work. The work that we need to do to get better at poker isn't necessarily hard, but it's challenging, it's thought-provoking, and frankly, it can be exhausting. I mean, if you've put in a long day at the office or at work, whatever you do, you come home, you have dinner, all you want to do is veg out and watch Netflix and chill. Even though it's not hard to lay out flops in Flopzilla or Equilab or an actual deck of cards and do some flop texture work, it's a lot easier to just go back and do Netflix and chill. It takes some discipline. And right now I'm kind of struggling with that. I'm struggling with the discipline because I got to tell you, I'm currently loving Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Disney+. That's that's my poker study right now. It's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that is not good. I think that it's important to have fun and enjoyment in our life too. But um, I think that uh, I think in your case, you know, you know that you need to schedule in your study and your play and get back to it. Do the work. Here's the thing. I just read a tweet this morning from Matt Vaughn. For those of you who don't know, Matt Vaughn is one of the coaches that is for the training site that BJ and I are a member of. He said, poker's not hard. Just don't pay off the river and you'll be all right, which made me laugh. And I, I think he was joking, but I think there's some truth to it. But here's the truth. For some of us, that's hard and we have to work on that, you know, not paying off the river. Poker is hard. Maybe if you're a poker genius like Matt Vaughn, poker's not hard. But for the rest of us, non-geniuses, poker is hard. I was never disillusioned. I never had that moment where I thought, oh, poker would be an easy way to make money. What I thought, and it was an arrogant thought, was I thought I was smarter than the average poker player and that I could make money at it, but I would have to work at it. I had no clue how much work I would have to put in. I had no clue. And I'm going to tell you right now that if you haven't taken poker serious to this point, whatever level of work you think you have to put in, it's more. It's a little bit like marriage. You know, I knew marriage was hard work before I got married, but I didn't realize how much. It's one of those things that if you're not willing to work hard, and is it physically hard? No, it's not physically hard. Like, I have a job that's physically demanding. There's different types of working hard. My wife has a job that's mentally demanding. Honestly, I think her job is harder than mine. I honestly think her job is harder than mine. And I think that the work I put in poker is certainly more mentally challenging than my other job. It's not easy. You have to be willing to do the work. What it is, is it's mentally draining for a lot of people. I love the work. I got to be honest. I love the poker work because it's a challenging thing. And, and that's what I need in my life to be happy is something that's intellectually challenging. But for a lot of people, that's going to be very draining. It's going to be hard for them. And that's okay. You can build it up. Start with five minutes a day. It work five minutes up a day to whatever you want it to be. If you want it to be an hour a day, work it up to that. If you want it to be two hours a day, work it up to that. Do what you need to to get to where you want to be. And, and that's the truth. Get to where, you know, so what you want to be is just a little better than everybody else so you don't lose your shirt and you get to have fun and some social time, then do that amount of work. If you want to be a crusher, then do that amount of work. I agree with everything you said about the work. It can be cognitively demanding and it can be daunting. The way that we can get through the dauntingness of the work is by breaking it into bite-sized pieces. 
I'm a project manager by trade, so this should not be difficult for me to figure out how to schedule my work time, schedule my study time into my day. Just schedule it even five minutes. Consistency is key. If you can do it for even five minutes a day, you'll be better off than someone that does it for 30 minutes a week. You're putting in almost the same amount of volume, but your consistency is going to help reinforce those neural pathways that will get you to study more easily. You'll overcome that inertia and you'll be like, oh yeah, it's just my poker study time. It's just something you do. It becomes habit. And once it becomes habit, it's a lot easier. So yeah, we can schedule our work time. We can break it into bite-sized pieces. We can do it consistently every day. The thing that's going to make our work even easier is having a vibrant community, which is really, I think, our next key trait of poker success is not doing it on your own. I mean, we can lone wolf it. We can just go our own way and do it ourselves, but that's not really effective. We're not standing on the shoulders of giants, like we mentioned before. We're reinventing the wheel. We're not getting any feedback. We're just studying what we think we need, which may not really be what we actually need. And we're not getting any fresh perspectives that challenge us or force us to grow. So I think we really need a vibrant community. Yeah, absolutely. And I always love the, I, I'm, I'm a lone wolf mentality. I, I always love dismantling that because it's a total misunderstanding. First of all, in the wild, the lone wolf tends to starve to death. I'm not interested in starving in my poker career. So I'm not going to lone wolf it. I think that being a part of a community, DJ and I are part of the School of Cards community. I'm not going to mention a couple other communities I've been part of. I want to say that you need to find a community that you're going to be comfortable in, but still challenges you. And there was a couple I was a part of that there's nothing wrong with the community. I'm not going to say anything bad about the community other than it didn't work for me. I became part of the School of Cards community. And uh, for me, it's very different. That doesn't mean that there isn't other places to find poker community to work on this stuff together. When you look at all the great players that are around now, they all did it as teams. They all came up together. They worked together. They challenged each other. They hammered out the autoplay from their game together. So they were always working together. They had that community. And, you know, no matter where you find it, you have to find it. You know, maybe you're listening to this and you've been part of the School of Cards community and you didn't like it. You need to find it somewhere else. That's fine. But find that community, build that community and uh, become an integral part of it. Discuss hand histories. Discuss what your thinking was on a play. Listen to other people's thinking on how maybe you could have taken a different, more plus EV line. All of that's so important to becoming better poker players. It's also important to being a better human being. When, when we think about life in general, there's that thing where they always say, you're the conglomeration of the five best friends or the people you hang out with the most. I don't know how accurate that is. What I would say is that we tend to, as human beings, emulate those that we hang out with the most. And so I want to hang out with people who want to do good, who want to help their fellow humans, that that want to be better people, that are constantly working on themselves, that are constantly building their intellect, building their character. These are the people I want in my life. And we can choose that in our life, and we can choose that at poker. And we're, it's just, there's nothing negative about it. The funny part is there's so much negative about the lone wolf philosophy. It's harder. 
you're going to fail more. You're going to likely not succeed. The only positive I can think about it is if you succeed, you get to say, I did it myself. But how much faster could you have succeeded working with a team? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To get to the point where all of these traits are connected, to be part of a vibrant community, one, you need that growth mindset of opening yourself up to different perspectives and possibly learning something that you thought you already knew. You also need to have a, a little bit of vulnerability. You need to put yourself out there. You might say something that's wrong, and that's okay, because you can learn from that. You can change your mind. You can revise your way of thinking. Those are all connected. You need patience with a community because you might not be growing as quickly as you see others growing in the community, and that's fine. That might be a little bit of humility, which I think we might talk about later. These are all connected, and the more that we can incorporate all of these traits in some fashion, the better position we'll be to be successful poker players. And again, we're not going to have all these traits all the time. I want to just take a moment. These first five keys to poker success, they didn't come originally out of minor BJ's head. The next two aren't really all that original either, but these, I can tell you, came specifically from a School of Cards video from their Cash Game Fix course. The video is five key elements for poker success. So I want to give them the credit where, where it's due. What I will say is, while the traits came out of it, the words after it are all mine and BJ. We're very grateful for the connection we have to them. If you're interested in a community and a good training site, School of Cards is definitely an option that we recommend. Perseverance. If you play poker long enough, you will run bad. And if you play poker long enough, it will feel like that run bad will never end. You will have that time. My time started at the beginning of COVID. I've gotten out of it, but for the longest time, I, you, you know, this goes back to the community part. You know, if you want to persevere, you're going to need that community. If you want to persevere, you're going to need that guidance. There were times that I questioned whether or not I had a high enough intellect to play poker. I literally asked the question, am I too stupid to play poker? And during that time, I had people constantly telling me, you're a good poker player. And I, I would literally argue with them. I'm like, listen, I got the stats to prove I'm not. <laughs> you know. But the thing is, I didn't understand just how long the long run is. How long does it take to get to the long run? We always talk about a good poker player is going to win in the long run. And I had no idea how long it took to get to the long run. You're going to need perseverance. Perseverance generally comes out of hard times. If we've experienced hard times, it's easier to persevere because we've already experienced hard times. We've built up that perseverance muscle. And as the old saying goes, hard times make good people. Good people make good times. Good times make weak people. When you go through that, if you can remember that a prolonged downswing is probably going to make you a better poker player, especially if you go through that downswing with community and guidance and patience and a growth mindset. You're going to get to the other side of that, whatever it takes to get you to persevere until you reach the long run. This isn't going to be easy for everybody. There are some people who are just not going to make it, whether it be because their bankroll is busted or they just can't take losing anymore. But for those of us that can get through that and have the perseverance, to outlast the crappy times, we're going to come out the other side, better people, better poker players. So at least if you're not building your bankroll, you're building character. I think another tool that you might not have mentioned in there about perseverance is focusing your perspective. 
if you're losing session after session after session, but you're still making all the right decisions, you're playing great poker. You just don't have the results. So like we said before, focus on the process and not the results. If you can focus on that process and you can tell yourself, self, I know I'm losing. I'm not winning sessions. I'm losing bankroll. It's dwindling fast. I'm making all the right decisions. They're just getting there on the river. And if you can have a community to bounce those ideas off of, so you're not deluding yourself, that will be huge. There have been times where I thought I made the right decisions. And here I am focusing on process, not the results. I lost a session. I posted hands in my community. And my community came back and said, no, you actually played these hands pretty poorly. You made these mistakes here, here, and here. Instead of lulling myself into a false sense of security that I'm in for the long game, I'm playing good poker. I'm focusing on the process, not the results. The fact is, I actually play bad. Okay, well, now I have something to hang my hat on. I can go back and study those spots. I can improve. And then maybe I can persevere through those hard times and get to winning poker on the other side. A lot of what you just said there is why um, why, why community and guidance is so important if we want to persevere. You know, focusing on that process, I don't care who you are. If you lose long enough, that's going to waver. And that's when you desperately need to have somebody that can say, no, no, it's not your play here. You're dealing with some some variance here. Or just the opposite, if you want to slide into that victim role. If you get beaten down enough, you're going to want to be the victim. You're going to come to a point where you're going to want some sympathy and you're going to want somebody to say, poor, poor poker player, you obviously are being treated unfairly by variance. That's when you need to have that community and guidance that says, you know, you're making this mistake here. It's not just that you're on a downswing. You're magnifying it by doing this. They bring you back to the process. So you have to have it. You have to have it. I think that brings us to our last trait that we want to talk about, which I think is a trait that we all need to have to keep grounded and keep sane. It's humility. If we can stay humble when we're crushing it, then we'll be more able to focus on the process and not the results. And if we're humble when we're on a downswing, then we can realize, oh, wait, this happens to other people too. I'm not that special. I mean, I'm special, but I fall within a bell curve. I think the humility is what helps us keep ourselves grounded in that growth mindset. If we get overconfident, then we're going to lock ourselves into knowing, again, what we think we know, maybe hyper-aggressing, maybe starting to dip into some bad poker because we're invincible. I've been there. I totally felt invincible. Then on the flip side, when we're in a downswing, we need humility to help us realize, wait, we've been here before. Other people have been here. It gets better. We can overcome this and we can get to the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Humility is optional for some. It, it really isn't. Um, I want, But I want to clarify what I meant. The thing is that we can see people like Bill Helmuth or Daniel Negrano. I don't want to say anything bad about these players, but they're very confident. And sometimes it might seem like they lack humility. But even the greatest players need humility. Now, whatever you think about Bill Helmuth, I, I don't want to get into debate of that. You know, the guy's got 16 bracelets for a reason. People look at him and they don't see any humility there. But he had to at least at some point have enough humility to learn the game of poker and learn it good enough to win 16 bracelets. And when we look at Daniel Negrano, Daniel Negrano has publicly admitted that he'd gotten to the point where the game had passed him by and he literally had to go and 
work hard at the game to get back on top. And he did. And that takes humility. So even when we look at these players that have great longevity at the top, who theoretically we could say, oh, they don't need to be humble. They've already proven they're the best in the world. Even they have some humility in order to realize that they have to change their game to be on top. The big thing this week is everybody's talking about Helmuth calling a three bet with queen four off and people are picking on him. The Helmuth of 10 years ago would never call with queen four off there. So he's changed his game. Whether it's right or not is not what we're going to debate here. He's had the humility to change his game. Daniel's changed his game. If you don't have that humility to be able to look at it and say, I need to change, I am not perfect, then you're going to struggle. And if you have a little humility, you're going to be a more likable person. And I'm one of the ones that believes that if you're more likable at the table, you'll make more money. Humility is not that difficult to cultivate. I think we just need to put ourselves in the other person's perspective. When you're going in against an opponent and they call you with king three offsuit, don't just discount that player and say they're an idiot. You are a poker god. How dare they defy you with king three offsuit? Keep in mind that player did what they did for a reason. Everybody plays for a reason. And it's our job to figure out those reasons and then reverse engineer their game to figure out how to exploit them and win against them. Once you realize the other player is just as human as you are, it's easier to develop that humility and say, wait, am I taking actions for reasons that someone else might look at and say are stupid? Especially if that other person's a better player than me. And then we have that growth mindset. We get all those other traits that come into play. Once we have that perspective that we're playing against other people and they're not just stupid fish or dumb donkeys, I think we can develop that humility. I mean, do you have, do you have any other tools or solutions for developing humility? Yeah, actually, I, I do. I think one of the biggest things that's helped me with humility as far as poker goes is, uh, I mean, you've already talked about basically having empathy for the other players at the table. When I've, I've run study group or school of cards, sometimes I run multiple ones at a time. And being able to run those and being able to hear other perspectives on the same material, being able to look at it and, and see that different perspective and realize maybe my way, well, first of all, my way isn't the only way. That's that, you know, it makes it very obvious. And two, maybe my way is not the best way. Interacting with other people that can challenge your thinking, I find to be humility building. It helps us be humble. It's what we need. I think that's a great tip. Thank you for that. That definitely helps. So I think we covered like seven key traits for poker success. We're not going to have them all at the same time. We need to continually work on them. We may have them in varying degrees at any given time. And we don't need all of them at the same time to be successful but they all help. These are just not poker tips, but they're tips for life because you and I both think being a better poker player helps us be better people as well. Is there anything else you'd like to add on this topic before we close it out? I, I don't have anything to add on this topic. I would like to say that I'm currently running a cash game fix study group for School of Cards, and we're still early on in it. And if anybody's interested in joining that, they can contact School of Cards and become a member, join the cash game fix. We're doing that. And It'd be fun to have more people, and I'm told I do a good job at it. You do. You do a good job. You're a good facilitator. You really are. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Dale, as always. Really good, BJ. And until next week, stick to the plan, and may all your variants be positive. 
This has been The Blind Stealing the Blinds, a podcast by students of the game for students of the game. If you haven't already done so, consider subscribing. And when you're not counting your chips, take a moment to leave the guys a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get yours. Thank you.